Hello, 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 and welcome to episode two of season two of the Nick Longo Show. I am so glad you're here. It's going to be an exciting one. This is a rarity, but really it should become the norm because I think this is a person that we're going to have on the show today who should have been on the show earlier, should have been on the show in season two. In fact, she was on the show in season two, but not in an official capacity. Now she's getting her moment to shine. And of course, we needed to include her in this series that we're starting up this season with, Managing in Ministry. Why? Because she is a great manager. She is somebody who manages my life, in fact, and tells me how to be a normal human being and what I should do in my life. In fact, I don't think this podcast would be happening if it wasn't for this person in this world. So, without further ado, I'm super pumped to have my lovely wife, Christina Marie Longo, here with us. She's going to be on the show. It's going to be great. And Christina, welcome. Thanks, Nick. Um, To clarify for the listeners... You said I had not, I was on for a little bit in season two. You mean season one. Oh, that's right. Season one, because we're in season two right yeah, now. Yeah, this is season two. It's so cool. And in fact, season two got a facelift thanks to the, the one and only Christina over here that's on the show right now, my Thank wife. Thank you. She, she designed the new cover. Thank you so much for designing it. Um, we should talk about that a little bit. I'm I'm in love with it. I think it's amazing. I hope you guys love the new cover as well. We got a little facelift. Got a new headshot for me. So I can... Actually, the, the original one only had my contacts. And now I wear glasses yeah, almost yeah. all the time. So it's actually updated to how I really look. And it just looks sweet. It does look sweet. I mean, humble, humble self-brag. Humble um, self-brag. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't take all the credit. Yo, Canva is the poop <laughs> oh wow oh my god i don't even know what which one of these is uh wait i've got the hold on i gotta just get used to this yeah wait is that the sensor button i can't i don't have headphones on no i you don't have headphones no that was just the dun 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 oh okay yeah i because i self-sense self-censored by saying poop oh yeah canva Cam- mm-hmm. Canva is the S. Yes, mm-hmm. but we are not. We are not. We are clean. This podcast. is a family friendly podcast brought to you by the Nick Longo Show. Yes, and the Longo Collective. Anyways, Christina is a great person. I'm super excited that you're here, um, that we're actually having you as a guest on the show for episode two. You should have been episode one, but you know what? We started off with Carlos Gill. It was a fun time. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Good app. Good app. It was a good app. Um, but Christina, um, you are. Uh, not only do you manage my my life as my wife, that rhymed. That was fun. Um, you also are a manager in ministry yourself, and I've talked a lot about managing at the parish level, but you are a manager and somebody who leads in ministry at the apostolate level. You work for apostolate, real life Catholic, and um, you are their director of communications and development, and. Uh, it's awesome that you do that. It's a really great job. It's been a blessing to our family for you to be working with them. And uh, so I'm excited to hear your insights and be able to share with the listeners all that you've learned in your time in ministry. But also, you, you come from the corporate world. Of corporate America. Corporate America. You do. And <laughs> um, you're pretty impressive. Like, I always say this to people. You are intimidatingly confident. Um, you're just super, you, you're kind of a big deal. So, oh, wow. so I'm excited to, to share your big dealness with the world. 
um, and and pick your brain. Literally, everyone knows this. If there's a reason I'm successful, it's because of you. And uh, yeah, I love you. So thanks, thanks for being on the show. You're on the you're on the show. I'm on the show. The Nick Longo show. So Christina, let, let's talk about um, yourself. Let's let's zoom back though. I don't want to start off with with where you're at right now. I want to start mm-hmm. off with how did you get here? Um, like who who are you as a person? How'd you grow up? And then eventually you got into PR and everything in, in your corporate life. We'll, we'll but start off with how'd you become Catholic and how'd you grow up? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I grew up cradle Catholic. Shout out to my mom, especially um, for really instilling the faith in us. Really, I mean, I've always kind of been a church kid, was involved with youth group, really had um, I don't know, a great experience, great youth minister, really had some great encounters with Jesus at a young age. Um Never really knew what I wanted to do as far as a career, but senior year, I took a marketing class in high school, and I thought, hmm, this is pretty fun. It is pretty cool. So when you do college applications, they make you, you know, choose a major, what you think you're going to do, and and I didn't know this was, like, going to really seal it up for me, but I chose marketing. Like, okay, this class is fun, and four years later, I ended up with a marketing degree. Who knew? That's fun. <laughs> so in college, I um, I went to a, a Protestant, small Protestant college, tried the Protestant thing for a little while. Um, but thanks to actually a good friend who has just this crazy conversion story to Catholicism um, in his his journey to becoming Catholic and then eventually discern to like enter the seminary. And he's now a priest, like praise God. But he... His dude. his discernment process um, brought a lot of conversations to our friendship and kind of um, solidified my Catholic faith. And by the time I graduated, Chris, Chrissy, wait, do you think he knows that? Yeah, I've told him before. Yeah, like like Father Steve is he like pulled you in again? Yeah, you were in, but then you kind of were like, eh, no, maybe I'm just gonna read the Bible and pray a little bit, and then. And then you kind of got pulled back in because he was, he was well. Really... He's so smart, and he read a lot, and so he would have kind of. I feel like he would ask me experience questions, and I would ask him theology questions because mm. he was more well read than I was um, about his, the faith. He was kind of big in like, like he he read history, read like tons of different stuff about the church and he, Jesus. Yeah, and then. And then basically that kind of let him in. And he, he, yeah, and he was, well, just like him as a person, he was a double major in philosophy and math. So he's a smart dude. So that tells you a little bit about his, uh, his brain. brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, well, actually, his conversion was very much like a call from God, like God speaking to him. But I, I won't, you know, my, that's not my story to share, but. We should have him on the show. You should. He's incredible. I'm sure he would have some thoughts after, you know. Being a priest for a couple of years. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. So, well, but anyway. <laughs> maybe to come. But anyways, yeah. back to you. So you you come, you come kind of come back through him, um, really in, inspiring you, and then what? So senior year, I knew, okay, maybe enter the workforce, maybe go to grad school. Um, I was actually volunteering at a church and helped them a little bit with their website and social media. Um, kind of knew... You know, I loved my major, wanted to kind of stick to that. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> mm. 
not COVID. Well, I hope not anyway. Um, Prayers. So we, um, or we, me, um, I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. My dad is originally from Boston and we had traveled back to the East Coast several times when I was younger and I loved it. I feel like I'm such an East Coaster at heart, originally from the Portland area, um, Oregon, not Maine. It's a good place. And so I kind of thought, hmm, maybe I should try to start my career off there. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up going to grad school at Syracuse University, got my master's in PR. That's how I made my way to the East Coast. Was not only master's in PR at Syracuse University, that's the Newhouse School of Communications, which not going to like be, you know, flaunting it or anything, but it is the number one communication school in the country. So pretty big deal. Christina over here rocking it. (laughs) I love Newhouse. Anyways, I'm jealous. I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there growing up. I thought it was super cool. And so anyways, it was incredible. It was a really great experience. I'm so glad I did it. Still paying for it. Still paying. Expensive. It is expensive. But (laughs) but really my goal was to start my career off in the East Coast, New York City, Boston, D.C. And I knew um, Syracuse has such a strong alumni group, and I just knew that would help me get to where I wanted to be. And it did. Praise God. I started my career in New York City. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. While you were at Syracuse, or even when you were in school, did you you did internships, right? Because I think this rounds you out a little bit too, and kind of mm. kind of gives you some interest. Like you have some interesting depth to you, right? You've got the communication thing, but you did a lot of internships in like sport, like the sporting world. Yeah, because you golfed in college. Yeah, I did golf in college. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you. I haven't told my story in a long time, so I like your questions. They kind of help. Because you, you, you know it, so you can kind of put I think, some... Yeah, you, I think I know you. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> so in undergrad, I kind of got to senior year, and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't done any internships yet. And there's an organization called The First T. It's a national organization um, that helps kids learn how to play golf, especially um, they make it really accessible to... Um, under underprivileged kids golf is often a sport that is kind of expensive to play and so they they have all the resources that they provide the kids um i I just love it it's a great organization and there's a local chapter in portland and so i reached out to the director and kind of said hey do you want an intern and luckily she wanted one so that's how i got that internship just going for it that's awesome yeah you just just ask i mean i yeah, I would have that advice for anyone. There are so many organizations that probably want or need an intern, and they just don't know how to get one. And you did it for free? I did it for free. It was, well, I got credit for it, school credit. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And then when I was in Newhouse, they required us to have internships. And the first semester, I actually interned for the Catholic Center. I think I started the Catholic Center's Instagram and that, which oh, really? is crazy. Is it still going? Yeah, it's still going. They've on. rebranded and done it 10 times better than I did at the time. That's, um, awesome. That's so cool. That's where we met at the uh, St. Thomas More Newman Center at Syracuse University. That's where we met. Well, sort of. Not exactly, but that's another story. So keep going. Yeah. And then um, fall sem- or spring semester, I volunteered, or not volunteered, interned 
with the Syracuse Silver Knights, which was like a it's like the semi pro indoor soccer. Is it semi pro or is it pro? It, I it's think pro. it's pro. Yeah, but it's not like it's not it's like the just, MLS or anything. It's yeah, just, it's just smaller because it's indoor soccer. Indoor soccer, not as pro. popular. Yeah, uh, I, think I think they. I think my friend plays for them now. They Step. moved to Utica, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think they're in Syracuse anymore. But it was their... A lot of cool sports go to Utica. I think Utica has such a culture of, like, local sports and people just really being into yeah. that stuff. Anyway. Didn't their hockey team go and, like, become the Vegas Golden Knights or whatever? Or whatever well, they still have their minor league team, but a ton of their management... Um, Went to the, anyway, yeah. okay, okay, so yeah, keep we're g- digressing. Anyway. So I, I was really into sports marketing, kind of thought that was the direction I was going to go. Even after grad school, I applied to um, some positions within the golf world. Um, but Can you apply to the NFL too? I know, I, like I didn't. No. I should have, but I didn't. Um, but like, this is the type of stuff she's applying to people, okay, right? She's applying to things like, like I don't like thinking of the NFL or yeah VGA tour and all these different companies, it's a bunch of agencies down in New York City, and then yeah, and we so Newhouse one of I mean I'm gonna plug Newhouse I guess again one of the awesome things that they provided to us was I think January of the spring semester we did a New York City tour of a bunch of awesome companies that Newhouse alum work at. So we actually went to the NFL headquarters. We went to a bunch of top agencies. We went to um, Time Warner, not cable, but Time Warner headquarters um, and just got to sit down with some Newhouse alums and other executives from those companies and just learn about their companies. And one of the places we visited was Fleischman Hillard one of the top PR agencies in the world. And I loved it. I just I clicked. I really related to the people that we met with. And one thing led to another. I applied. And that's where I ended up landing after grad school. Um, surprisingly in healthcare. Healthcare PR. And and this is a really interesting and a cool job. Like the So the place where she worked in New York City was in Manhattan. Was it 42nd Street? 42nd Street. 42nd Street on the side near, like, the United Nations. So, like, you could walk down the street and go see, like, the UN building, all the flags there. And this building, she worked in the news. It was the news the building. The Daily News building. The Daily News building. So, like, where Clark Kent worked. Yep. Right? You know? So just kind of fun little facts for Christina's life and her workplace. It That was a cool, that was a cool job. So tell them a little bit about that That. Thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was surreal. I had dreamed how many, of working. how many years were you there for? I was there for two years, so not super long. Um, sometimes, but in New York City time, <laughs> like that's like you were there for forever, you know? It, it does feel like that. It was so fast. It was, it was surreal. I remember walking to my first day of work. I, I, uh, left super super early because I just had no idea how long the subway would take, and I had to take kind of two subways transfer once and in the I started in the fall and when I my first few weeks it was still really nice weather so I actually walked kind of that second leg and didn't take the transfer train and I I walked through Times Square on like my first day of work and I thought wow I just thought I was like in a TV show or a movie walking through Times Square to my job I mean being from the west coast like Portland you made it 
you're like, yeah, you feel awesome. That's um, pretty sweet. Yeah, no, for sure. And you're walking through Times Square. Especially, especially your- considering like everybody who's not from New York State thinks that the only thing New York State is, is New York City. Yes. So, like, you're coming in, and obviously you've learned that that's not true because you had gone to Syracuse University. It was a a rude awakening realizing Syracuse University was five hours away from New York City. I was like, dang it, there goes all my plans for weekends in (laughs) grad school. Yeah, you were like, I'm going to see the Statue of Liberty. Nope, five hours away, that's not happening. Yeah. So... So you're walking through Times Square. It's like you've made it. You're there. Walking in heels, thinking that was a good idea. <laughs> Mistake. Mistake. You learn that after one day of walking to your job. Um, yeah, I, I get in. I mean, you're, you go up to the 11th floor. The view. We, we didn't have like a crazy good view, but it was just a cool office, open space, glass. I mean, it, it is just quintessential New York, and you think it's so cool. And it was. It was cool. But it also kicked my butt. Yes. It is hard. It is a grind in New York City. Um, long, you had long hours. So, long so for hours. the context of the lis- listeners, Christine and I started dating when she had started her job. Basically, she we had known each other for like, I don't know, two years or so. Maybe, well, probably not a year. Probably a year or so, year and a half. And then she moves down there. And I had liked her like the entire time I knew her and didn't really let it let her know about it. But I was just kind of building a relationship. And then when she was in New York City, I just kept talking to her. And I was like, hey, we should Skype or whatever. And we just Skype occasionally. And then after a while of Skype, like once we started Skyping, like after a few times of Skyping, she was like, um, excuse me, Nick. I don't usually <laughs> Skype with boys, you know, or whatever. I, not like, Wait, it, that sounded that... weird, but like, you know, she was like, I don't Skype with, with people. Like we were talking all the time and I said, hey, I don't usually like talk with people this intentionally for no reason. Like, what's up? Yeah, actually, she goes, so I think you need to think about uh, what, what your intentions are and get back to me tomorrow. Hang up. <laughs> Click. She just hangs up on me and I was like, what? I gotta figure this out. Called all my friends. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I need to like figure out what I'm gonna say to her. She wants to know my intentions. <gasps> you know, and uh, figured that whole thing out. We talked next and asked her on like a proper date. And uh, yeah, it was great. Anyways, then yeah. that, that's another story. But we should do that story sometime. Yeah, we'll we'll save that. But but this is managing a ministry. We're gonna keep going on to your professional career, and then we'll. We'll have another episode with you. See, she's going to get two episodes this season, people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. We got to um, be sure we can put it on our schedule. Well, anyways, keep going. So New York was the grind. Eventually, it kind of settled into my schedule, and I would get to work at 6, 6.30 in the morning, and I would be there until 7, 8, 9, sometimes 10, 11. And sometimes you'd be at home. And you'd still have to work like at your yeah. At sometimes home. I'd I'd leave at six or seven, bring my laptop home, and do a little bit more. So for entry level PR, one of the biggest things you do, and I just had no idea actually before, kind of getting really close to my into my career, but is media monitoring. So you're in entry level PR at the agency level. You have certain clients and you watch the news like a hawk for and, things and that social, relate to their right? brand. Um, that can be, yeah, that social monitoring and traditional media monitoring. There's two different, two different things. Yeah. Um, look at so, how fancy she is anyways, but going. media monitoring, keeping tabs on the news about 
anything related to your client. So um, I had a client that had to do with uh, weight loss. And so as you can imagine, the news is just busting with things about weight loss. So I had to keep tabs on everything. And if there was anything remotely breaking news, it had to be, we had to alert to the client right away. Um, and, and that really, I mean, it was difficult and it required kind of being on your toes all the time, but it really taught me the power of media and what one, how we can influence the media super easily. Um, (laughs) But right. two, just the power of it and how it dictates a lot of business decisions. So I just think, I mean, people, maybe it's br- been brought to light a little bit more thanks to maybe our president talking about the media so much, but there is, the media has so much power. So much. And I think this is actually super interesting. Like this idea of media monitoring is something that just to like, kind of throw it into this whole realm of managing a ministry. I think that this piece could be something that, is a big takeaway for people like monitoring the media is huge. I remember when I started out years ago, I mean, this is when I was starting my professional type work. I started a nonprofit for anti-bullying awareness, uh, stop they spread the hope. And that was one of the things I did intuitively was I was just like monitoring any story about bullying. I was on it like Hawk and I pitched stories to the press to try to get attention for the business, for the nonprofit. So we could build awareness and stuff. And I think the church could do this so oh my gosh like if we monitored what was going on i mean we do this i mean we do do this this isn't like this isn't happening but i think this is something that i think it's not intentional right now um true like in most in 99 percent of churches dioceses whatever but i i'm just gonna take what you said kind of a step further or even use your example for the you know what you did with um anti-bullying you know bullying a lot of stories would hit the news like so and so from new york um, was bullied because of this and that would make national news and what happens is local papers news sources want to look to an expert to to provide commentary on it so they're gonna they're gonna say the facts of the news but they they want their story to be different than you know, news channel two down the road. So they're going to look for a source to com- to commentate on it. Yeah, so, talk about it. So, but instead of, if it's a breaking news story, they're, they're going to hunt for people. But if someone comes to them instead and says, hey, by the way, I'm the director of this anti-bullying organization right here in Syracuse. And here here's what I have on the story. Here are my opinions. Here's what they're going to be like, let's go. Yeah, they're going to love it. So in the same way, a church could, I mean, I mean, I don't know. There's a million things going on in the church world. Hey, this breaking news story happened where, um, you know, what just happened with the birth control where it's not required yeah. by yeah. certain religious organizations to the provide nuns won. it. The nuns won. Yeah, the nuns won. Okay, well, now local you know syracuse.com they're gonna want commentary from people who you know on both sides of the opinion and yeah hey maybe a church wants to or an apostle or whatever or someone who has a stake in the game wants to provide commentary pitch yourself to the media reach use, out to them use your voice use your voice we need it we need to use our voice and share our opinions on a lot of i mean there's just so many different things so i think that's a really cool point i think that's super interesting too um uh, that you did that just for some of the big companies that you did it for. I remember uh, one of your clients that I just think is super interesting 
I don't know if it was a client necessarily, but it was like one of your accounts that you worked on was the social media for Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. which was like weird because you were healthcare, but then this was like one thing yeah, you Yeah, it was just to. a side project that they needed extra hands, and so That's I was so, able to help with that. It's so cool. I'm a huge reader, and as Christina knows, because I have a lot of books, and we have to move them now when we're moving cross-country. But anyways, that was a cool little, uh, little side project you got assigned yep. in your time there. And then there was a guy who came into your life, of course, as I said, we started dating and we kind of got pretty serious, but we wanted to be closer together. So it was either I was going to move there um, or she was going to move closer to Syracuse. And man, wouldn't have been weird. It would have been, it would have been, our life would have been different if yeah. I had found a way to move to New York City and done something. Would have been weird. Um, that that would have been wild. Um, but so Christina ends up moving closer to Syracuse, um, works a job and. Uh, Utica and and a, at a hospital and then eventually gets hired at a PR firm right in Syracuse. Tell a little bit about that and then we'll we'll kind of fast forward a little bit into yeah. how the heck did you ever get in a minute? Now you're in ministry. So yeah, I- how do we get from, from A to Z? Yeah. Um, and I will say that my time in New York, it was amazing, but dang, it, it is hard. You work super long hours. You have to drag your laundry down blocks and blocks. You you know, there are rats and cockroaches, and, and it's expensive, and the summer is so sweaty, and the winter is so cold. Right. I mean, I, I was ready. Two years, it was amazing, but I was so ready to be back in the suburbs, have a car, go to Target, drink my Starbucks, basic, basic things. Well, actually, I, I drink lots of Starbucks in New York, so. But anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, worked at a hospital in the marketing department for a little while, kind of continued on that healthcare PR. Um, I think, for me, what stands out about that job is that was kind of a more full-service marketing role, and that was what the first that, what time. What does that mean, full-service marketing role? So with PR, it was super concentrated. Like I have this one role, media monitoring, press, pitch letters, that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, In this role, full service marketing, we did everything from the PR to, you know, press releases, talking to the news, to social media, to creating flyers advertisements promotions and, and you got at that point you started to get into like being into like the strategy behind the marketing too because like at the pr agency in new york it was like yeah you had strategy but it was kind of like you were doing your task yeah and i was too far down the totem pole to right. to not like you were you weren't a vp although you probably would have became one. <laughs> but but like yeah to kind of running where you yeah. Were. Yeah. So we're going to a little more into that. I will say what stands out about that job is, is it was the first time I picked up a DSLR camera. Oh, that's so right. a fa- fancy camera. And I, you know, gr- in hindsight, I love taking pictures growing up. My parents got me a digital camera at a young age. I, I always had fun with it. Um, but in this job, we had to take photos of different things for marketing materials. And another person on my staff was a photographer um, on the side. And so I wanted to get better at that piece of my job. So I asked her a bunch of tips um, and started to get better at shooting kind of going beyond the automatic settings and going on manual. And 
Um, I also had the opportunity at the time to purchase a used Canon Rebel. Um, from a little anti-bullying organization that was kind of shutting down at the time. We'll stop the AIDS brother. Yeah. Open, which we talked about earlier. So <laughs> I, I, I purchased that, I think, for, I don't know, 100-ish bucks. I would have given it to her people, see, because this was my organization we were shutting down. I would have given it to her, of course, because, you know, I love her and she was, I mean, she wasn't my wife at the time, but I would have given it to her. But we had to sell it because legality, shutting out nonprofit yeah. and everything. And so the nonprofit sold it to her for $100. Yeah. Good price. Great price. Um, <laughs> you won. I Yeah. You purchased that little bad boy. And I took kind of my first, um, I'm using air quotes here, professional photos on that for um, your sister and oh, yeah, my sister's brother-in-law. Yes. Yeah, um, for engagement yeah. photos. In hindsight, they are not great. But they were great. I mean, I they mean, were really good. <laughs> They were really good, and Kate and Pete loved them, still love them to this day. But, I mean, you've gotten way better. Yeah. But, that you know, that, that, that story will come around a little more later, but I think when I look back, that's kind of, a, I will say, a cornerstone part of the yeah, story. That, that's a big, that's true. That's a big moment. Yeah. Being with Lindsay there. Yeah, if I, if I would. Big shout out and thanks to Lindsay Mogul. Yeah, if I didn't work there, I I don't know if I'd. Be where I'm at with photography right now. She like kind of inspired you to kind of get in the game and yep. start your photography business. Christina Longo Photography. So. So then I moved on. That was a long commute. It took about an hour each way. And that got old real quick. So I Having ended, to pay for tolls. Cause, yeah. Yeah. It was know. toll road. And it was, it was rough. So I ended up at an agency in Syracuse. Uh an amazing agency i loved working there it, it still had some intensity of an agency but wasn't quite the new york city grind so it was a but nice they, balance they really respected you for your new york city experience yeah that was really cool and i remember like that you got this in, in you too like that the, they really really appreciated your new york city experience but i mean the i i felt like the amount of like respect they gave you at picnic hugo was was just really cool. I thought it was cool. It was like encouraging to you. It was. It was maybe, I think it was the, in the, in the job in Utica, I didn't, I don't think I took as much ownership as I could have in that job. I still didn't feel like I was at, you know, manager level or enough to really like make too many decisions. And I feel like at Pick Me Hugo, they instilled that confidence in me because, well, I don't know. They just did. Great. So, so it kind of helped me level up, if you will. Um, and, and you in internally. If, if I'm right, I think I'm right. But you kind of got them one of their biggest hits, right? That yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. That is a career highlight. I worked. Um, one of the clients I worked for, I got them in Forbes. Forbes so, magazine. She pitched Forbes magazine. She got yeah an article in Forbes. Like the the magazine Forbes, the good like the big one where business people want to be. I think in. it was Forbes on dot com. I don't I don't know if it, I don't think it ended up in print, but but hey, no, still, still sweet. it I was mean, it if was, I was awesome. In Forbes, I'd freaking I'd feel awesome. Like managing a ministry, Christina, you should pitch this podcast series to Forbes. You think they'll take it? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. You find the right reporter working on the on the right project. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Okay. So, uh, this is like a very long, I mean, we're, we're getting kind of long here, but 
yeah, worked at this great agency, had one of the, you know, my top PR hit of my career. Um, also worked with someone, just a good friend there, Rachel. Shout out to Rachel. She is also a photographer. And, and shout she, out to Nate. Another great friend yeah. who worked at Picnic Hugo. He um, was in our wedding, played music. Anyway, sorry. Also worked at Picnic <laughs> Still works at Picnic Hugo. Love you, Nate. So, and, uh, so Rachel's an amazing photographer and she would just, I don't remember at the time what I was taking pictures of, but I just kept asking her for different tips and, um, she recommended like the, the nifty 50 lens, the, for all you, you know, Canon, new Canon users out there, um, the, Canon 50 millimeter 1.8. It's a hundred bucks. Best $100 I've ever spent um, on a uh, lens. And if you work at a church, we recommend Canon cameras. That's the team we play for when it comes to cameras. Sure. Get a Canon camera, get a 50 millimeter lens or whatever she just said and crush it. It's a good camera. Word. So yeah, grew, I would say at that agency, I grew a lot in confidence and grew my photography skills, which was kind of unrelated to my actual day to day, but really amazing company. Um, the only reason I left is because we ended up moving out here to Portland. Yeah, so I got a job out here. I think a lot of you might have heard that story in season one. If you haven't, go back and you can listen to some of my story and how we kind of moved out here. But anyways, got a job out here when we got married moved to port well the portland oregon area but in vancouver washington worked here for a bit christina kind of finished up her job we had a long distance marriage for a bit came out here um in like september the the kitty is scratching at the The door the cat is scratching at the door if you're hearing that um we'll 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 let her in a second um but worked worked she she was having kind of you were having a tough time finding a job but then you finally found a job after like being in here for like a month or two Mm -hmm. um which was weird. It was like super weird uh, that it was like so hard for you. It was just weird. It's the other side of the country, I guess. It's- yeah, yeah. It is interesting how different areas of the country maybe value experience from various places. I think um, having New York City experience is super valuable in Syracuse and upstate New York and really anywhere on the East Coast. I think when you have New York City on your resume, um, it really stands out. And I don't know, for one reason or another, it didn't seem to stand out too much out here um, in the Portland area. Or maybe it was just something else. I I don't know. But I had a hard time. And then I finally kind of landed somewhere um, that I didn't love, but it it paid the bills for for a bit. Three months. And... uh, then a great opportunity came around. I, you know what? Here's the power of vulnerability, I guess, or complaining, if if you want to say it that. that we were at Theology on Tap, and I was just kind of venting with a couple friends about uh, about my my new job, and then a couple days later, maybe a couple weeks later, the the timeline's a little fuzzy. Um, this. They people had known, you know, known that I kind of didn't love my job, and they said, Christina, there's this opportunity with an apostle called Real Life Catholic. I'm going to send you the job description. I think you'd be perfect for it. Yeah, but hold on a second. So she had just really gone. She was really upset about it. She kind of told people about it, 
And I, I think it's just important because I think for us, it was actually such a pivotal, mo- pivotal moment yeah. in our life. So at the time when she got that email from a friend who was offering her this job, we we had just suffered the loss of our of our first child to mi- our, a miscarriage that we had, and um, so little Phoenix we lost her and it was super super sad. It was like an awful time, um, and but yeah, I remember it was super weird because obviously we're going through this crazy emotional time. I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit, but yeah, such a crazy time. And you got that email, um, which was like it was weird because it was such a terrible time in a lot of ways because we had just lost the baby. It was also such a perfect time. And I think also just like such a gift from God, like God planned it. Like it was so, it was, it was such intervention. Like it was like, here you go. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Just so you know. Yeah. I, it was the hardest moment of our life. It was so hard. And I, I was working a job that I just really, it, it felt like it was soul sucking and then I had to go through, then we went through this, you know, the loss of Phoenix and we were actually in the hospital when I had got, when I got that email, um, about here, I think you should apply to this job at real life Catholic. And it was like late. It was- and it was late. And I, I almost didn't even look at the email. Um, who sent it to you? Was it Annie or? Uh, Annie via Jamie, I think, like or Jamie- maybe, or, or I- Annie gave Jamie my I don't remember. Did they email you or did they email me? Maybe you. I don't. I don't. I don't even remember. We have to look into that. But we anyway. I I got this email and and I think I did actually read it and I read the job description. I'm like, wow. And she looked at me. I remember she was like, "Holy crap!" Like Nick, I just get the weirdest email because like this was not something that was ever on her radar, obviously. And then just randomly, she got this like job description put on her, like handed in her lap. And it was just perfect. It was just literally you read this description, and it was Christina through and through. So tell yeah, me. and I sent an email back to Annie or Jamie or whoever sent it to me. I can't remember directly. I think it was Jamie, and I just said thank you so much. Um, if you wouldn't mind letting them know, I am interested in applying, but I, you know, we're in the hospital right now, so yeah. I may need a week or two. Um, so, you know, it was within maybe two weeks. I, I, I said, I, I need to apply to this. I know I don't want to sit on it anymore. I'm like, obviously, we're still mourning and processing and healing, um, but I needed to do it. And so uh, sat down, went to this like cool late night. Yeah, like bar. Bar-ish. It was, it's, it's like a bar. It has the vibe of a coffee shop, though. Yeah, it does. That's true. We have like little tables upstairs and you can sit kind of two by two. Yeah, and- we got a cheese board and some beer, sat down. And Christina filled out her. Just busted out my, updated resume. my resume and cover letter and all that. And and I had never, I had never applied to a ministry job before. Um, but I, I was ready. I was ready for a change. I knew kind of like my soul needed rest almost. I had loved being in corporate America. I think for me, I loved, you know, my coworkers and meeting people who didn't have the same faith as me. And I, I... I think I'm an approachable person when it comes to those kind of topics. You're the, mo- you're the most approachable And a lot of people <laughs> would ask me questions about my faith, and I loved it, and I felt like I could be a good evangelist. But I felt like my soul needed some rest in that respect. Yeah. So it was just literally a gift from God. Applied. Had an interview. The interview, I we just chatted, talked for an hour and a half. Um 
I think it just felt right on all parts. And yeah, I, I got the job. I got the job at Real Life Catholic. Um, and that was, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Dude, it was so it was so cool. I remember sitting in the we we were driving home and we parked like in the driveway. And I remember after you had applied and I remember looking at you or no, after you had interviewed and I remember you were like super awesome about that. You were like this interview was I It was just one it. of those interviews you could tell like it went great from both ends and it was like a mutual And I remember um, I remember like that happening and then talking in the car when we were thinking about like oh my gosh could like what would like should you do this? And I remember be, like being like, if you do this, like it's it's probably gonna change our life and like the like direction of like not like the direction of our family, but like really it would change like the dynamic of our family. We just knew mm-hmm. like it would really impact us, and it has. It's been it such has. a huge blessing. It's crazy. I mean, we eat, breathe, sleep ministry now. Right, which uh, which is great. But it's also like it sometimes we need a break. Yeah, we, you know, we definitely need some boundaries. I think we're we're getting better uh, now that Eden is in our lives. That helps. It does help because we have baby TV to watch. You know, watching our kid. Yeah, which is fun. She's super cute. But so now, now you are managing a ministry, and you work, you work for Real Life Catholic. You're the director of communications and development there. So basically, what does that mean? Well, we have a small team. I think six i think we have six people on our team and so you know this is the first role that i've had that i do i i have my hand in so many things kind of like i said before i started off my career in just healthcare pr and you do like two things you do two things a lot like many many hours you do these two things because you have huge clients right um but now i do like eighty thousand things and and you are really in the strategy thing. You you like uh, yeah. I I will say this has been incredible for me as a as a manager as an executive. If you will, that's kind of fancy word. I don't really like that. I like a back. leader, but like a as leader, a, yeah. As a leader in the church, as a leader in your in your work. I mean, you've really had a lot of different opportunities to lead at Real Life Catholic with different campaigns you've done, different like ministry things you've done. Mm-hmm. And just the direction in which you approach the the people who donate and the people who give, you've really been able to lead in that way, especially in the way just like like the 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 language. Um, I think too. I mean, Chris does obviously a ton of that. Chris Stefanik, yeah, um, does a lot of his very like specific voice and and things that that is you know true to the ministry and everything. But like you've really been able to kind of influence that, and I think that's been cool. Yeah, so having development and communications has been great because development, um, my boss is experienced in development, so I'm learning a lot in that so respect. So your, bo- your boss is not Chris Fang? No. We have, um, Chris is a boss, but we also have our executive director, I think that's his title, I, I always CEO, executive director CEO, something. CEO, extraordinaire, leader, yada yada, Ryan, and he... Um, yeah, he's awesome, and he, he has development experience, and so I've learned a lot from that. But from kind of a marketing communication standpoint, I was the first person that they brought in 
um, a real life Catholic who I, you know, I have prior experience in that. So it's kind of been a nice balance between learning and also being able to like lean into my experience and bring that experience to the table and And really get to make decisions about we should do this or not do this. And it's not just me. I, I, you know, I discussed the options in my experience and, and we've worked with some amazing agencies that I've learned a lot from, um, but I've really had some freedom in the in that respect as far as like, okay, I think we're going to go this direction. Um, yeah. And it's taught me a lot about my my strengths. You know, I started off in PR, but I'm I'm learning more and more about I I'm very good at the visual design piece or kind of the storytelling through visuals. Um, or layout organization, um, social media marketing, not, not just the organic stuff. Like that's, that's fine and dandy and good. You know, Chris does a ton of his own stuff too, because it's, it's, it should be, it's, it's him and his voice. Um, you know, I just support him on kind of the logistics, but more on the advertising side. I'm, I've learned a lot about that. I really, really like that piece. Um, but I've just gone to put like Christina's really good at Facebook ads. She's become very good at Facebook (laughs) ads. If she wanted you to, to see something on Facebook, which is super creepy, but like if she wanted you to see it, you'd see it. Maybe not that, but, but (laughs) but she's, she's pretty good. It's I'm learning. I'm learning. It's, really really interesting and it's more than just boosting a post and putting you know 10 bucks behind you know facebook if you have if you're if you're on a business page you know facebook will ask you do you want to do you want to boost this for 20 dollars sure you can do that but there are other ways there are some tricks there are many much more tricks to get in front of the eyeballs of people um that you want so uh, I mean, I don't even know where to go. There's, I do so many things at Real Life Catholic. And, I, you know, I started off even answering phones, answering our, you know, generic email line. And, and I've, I've been able to pass that on. But I know a lot about our organization that when you work at a bigger company, you're not going to know those nitty gritties because someone has that specific job. Right. But when you work for a small company... You you get to know like okay how do we ship a book, right? Which is probably something that people are really if you work if you work in ministry or you're at a parish you probably learn a lot about the parish. Uh, yeah, maybe if you're at the diocesan level, maybe not. I don't know. I don't really know because it's just bigger. But like at a parish, you you learn the ins and outs of your parish really 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 well. So something that people probably relate to, especially if you're like me, like I'm in youth ministry and evangelization, the I mean, you wear so many hats in that type of a job because you're just doing a lot of different things and you're reaching out to a lot of different people. Um, But what's something that, like, what have you learned about just being, like, being able to to manage yourself in your job and ministry, but also, like, what have you learned about just effective ministry in your time at Real Life Catholic and also in your time being the assistant you know, youth minister for years when you yeah. kind of shadowed me and basically been a youth minister in a way too. What have Ooh. you learned? Okay, a couple things. One and one kind of ties back to just what we were talking about—how you wear so many hats. 
I thought I was going to hate that because I, I, again, I started off being so concentrated on this is my one task and I thought I was going to hate it. But knowing at least a little bit about everything in your company provides such good context. Mm. I am a better marketer because I understand how our books are getting shipped. Right. It makes you think of the end goal or the end results um, and, and, and all the steps. So it's so important. Like when you're at a church, I think sometimes we can get so siloed in like, this is my department or this is my task or my job. Right. Um, maybe I do youth ministry or maybe I do evangelization or maybe I do faith formation or maybe I do uh, stewardship or something. Right. And we start to think about these, or maybe even just this event or that event. Right. And we yeah. just kind of become siloed in the event. But we don't think about the bigger picture, the bigger mission, and all the different things that are kind of working together at a parish. I mean, we have to start thinking about that. I, that's what I've learned. And I think you've learned that for sure at Real Life Cali. You just like, you need to work together and collaborate. You can't be yeah. silent. You know, if you're at a parish and you've got parents of First Communion kids, you know we should be communicating to them about, Hey, there's this like mom's Bible study. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure a ton of churches are doing that. It's a pretty simple example, but, um, but just being aware of that. Um, like for example, there, like we did a, a parish picnic one time, um, for, uh, 150 years at a parish I was at. And one of the things that I thought about, and I thought it was a, a really great idea was something I pitched was, Let's use this opportunity to not just celebrate 150 years for the people of our parish, but let's put this out to the community and share it with the whole community and invite them into our parish because we have hit this landmark of 150 years and use it as, an, as a tool for evangelization. So there was this event going on, and I started to think this could be something we use as a, as a tool of evangelization for the whole parish. So I kind of connected and weaved the things together for the greater outcome of what our mission was just to evangelize our people and the people in our community. So that was just kind of a, a bigger picture example, mm -hmm. um, too. Yeah, totally. So how, what else have I, I don't, I don't remember your exact question. I kind of have an answer in mind, but now I don't remember the question. I was asking basically like what, what's your, um, what have you learned about like leading in ministry? Mm. Um, so I think another huge thing that we're just big on at Real Life Catholic is getting help when needed. And I'll kind of expand on that a little bit. Like I said, we're a small team and we're intentionally small um, for some reasons. And one of which is that we're able to work with contractors and vendors and agencies at times to help us with things and with that said though we do our best to learn from these agencies and contractors when when they're helping us with a project when we're paying them to do a project um we worked with an agency in Arizona who has experience in a variety of different clients, not just a not just Catholic apostolates. And one of the reasons I'm a lot more confident in my Facebook advertising is because I did trainings with them as they were doing the work for us. I learned it. Yeah. And I think 
when you ministry as a whole, I'm talking really practical, like businessy things. I'm not talking so much about the spiritual side of it. Not that the, I mean, there is spiritual in all of that. And I, I guess I'll also get to that, but if it, I think churches or ministries, we have, there are so many, we, we can look to other people to help us. And I think, I think we should, I don't know. I feel like I don't really know of churches that use contractors too much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to be able to learn and to, to reach outside of ourselves. Cause I think there's, there's a different unique perspective that, that people in the business world can, can give to us in the church. I mean, I, I think it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this kind of this series managing a ministry is because I wanted to reach out not only to people in the church, people working at apostles like yourself and others, but like people like Carlos Gill from the last episode, right? People who work outside of the church yes. world because we can learn from them and we can grow and the the strategies and the, the things that we're doing and our practices. Um and I think that's so great. It's huge to be able to look outside the ministry bubble for business um, so one examples. Of the, one of the biggest things I do is read business books for my own development as as a minister. And these are by people like, like Gary Vaynerchuk is a big person that I look to a lot mm-hmm. for social media advice and marketing advice. And literally, he he's really, really helped me and if – I mean, if you watch kind of some of the things that I do online and social media personally, but even with my ministries, a lot of it's influenced by the way his uh, methodology in marketing is. Um, and I think I've done that so much. I mean, reading those types of things outside of the church bubble is super important. There are times, yeah, there are times when it's appropriate to look at someone, you know, a contractor, a freelancer, an agency who is maybe working with secular clients and bringing in their help. You have the you have the ministry church experience and intel. You can filter. You you know, okay, they're going to give you advice based on the world and the culture, and then you can filter it based on your ministry experience. Um, but sometimes we get you can't just look at like, oh, what's this church down the road doing? Because we, we got to get a little more creative, and I think that's why um, we try to do a real-life Catholic, and I try and do in my role is – I don't want to just do what the apostolate down the road is doing, even, you know, that's awesome. But what are we doing? What is the culture doing? And not that we're trying to mimic culture, but how can we be inspired by that and then filter it and then do and it for Jesus? And be inspiring ourselves. Yeah. Because I think that's something that, uh, I mean, unfortunately, just like when, when I look at a parish bulletin, I'm just not inspired by it. But how can we make those types of things more inspiring? When I look at a church website, a lot of times I am not inspired by it. Um, right. How can we make those things more inspiring? When I look at a church event, I'm not always super inspired by it, but I want to be inspired by it. And it's so important that we can look at things like the way Nike does their marketing and say, wow, that look, th- that commercial looked beautiful. Can we make our next annual Catholic appeal, appeal video as amazing and inspiring yeah. and that big of a story as that kid running down the street, huffing and puffing because he's trying to get in shape. But, oh, wait, he's wearing Nike shoes and he's just doing it. Like, I love that story. Yeah. And how can we make our Catholic appeals, our parish uh, mission and everything that we're doing, our youth ministries, that inspiring that we invite people into that story too. That's what some of the things I've learned from 
looking at Nike and stuff like that. It's just so important that we inspire too. And I think we get afraid because we think, oh, that's what the that's what secular culture is doing. So therefore, we need to be countercultural. We need to be countercultural in our message. We don't have to be countercultural in the t- delivery tools. Yeah, and the strategies. Um, I, it's uh, it's so true. It's so true. And I, I think too, it's it's even even more than that. I think sometimes we have blinders on. We just we just are in our own little ministry world, and we speak Christianese and all these like Catholicy words or Christian words, whatever. But like we don't think about just being human beings and uh, just actually inviting people into the story. And I think that's something that that you guys have done really well. At Real Life Catholic is looked at people from outside the church bubble to to influence the way you guys are trying to inspire the world to have a bold faith. Right? What's your mission statement? Well, the, the, our our old mission statement was to. Uh, inspire a bold, contagious faith in the heart of every Catholic. And now? And now it's uh, the life you were made for, the tools to live it. Mm. Mm. Nice, 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 nice. And you guys are doing, you're you're teaching us how to live the life you were made for. And, no. but that, I mean, okay, even that mission statement though, the life you're made for, there's the countercultural message, right? Like what's the life that Jesus has for us? Um life to the full john 10 10 chris's favorite verse is what that's inspired off of Mm. um and then the tools to live it but the tools are what is hey let's look to see what nike's doing there's a reason they they reach billions of people they've got the tools down so why not why not look to that for inspiration right get people instead of putting on shoes to put on like you know the armor prayer. of God. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> is that a Chris line you just stole? No, there? no, it's that a, was a Christina. Christina line. original. Ooh, nice, 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 nice. I like it. That's cool. One thing that is interesting about you too, Christina, that I think the church needs to hear from you in particular, because you've helped me with this a lot, is professionalism. I like you are mm-hmm. a super professional person. It's one of the per- reasons why I say you're intimidatingly competent. You're just super professional. You are put together. When you walk in a room and you're got your business hat on or you walk into a Zoom meeting now, right? Like you like you're you're pretty you're, you're good. Good. Minus my attire. <laughs> <laughs> Working no. from home has made my attire uh t-shirts and and sweats. But you can you pretty got to get up. I remember from the New I York used City. to, but but so anyways, hopefully my demeanor is still professional. Very professional. That's what I'm saying. So this is something that a lot of times in the church it's like we throw out professionalism out of the door because we all work for the church and it's just, you know, we're all big family and also great. That's fantastic. True. But this is also like something we are all doing. If you are a minister in the church and you're working in the church, like you're doing it professionally. Mm-hmm. We have to be professional. We can't just act like this is uh, not as important as, you know, the way people treat professionalism in the workplace in corporate America for companies like Nike or like you worked in those PR agencies and stuff, we have to treat with the same level of professionalism the work in ministry. In fact, we should do it more because this is because it's so important. It's, it's so important. It's so important. It's, it's the most important thing. And this is something you taught me a lot. So tell the listeners like what, wh- why, why, what, what's your thoughts on this? Because I I feel like you can have you have something to share on that. It you know working going from very corporate work. This is something that frustrates you. 
Like, you get frustrated, like, what the heck? Why aren't people more professional in the church? Yeah. <laughs> we, so going from very corp- a very corporate work environment to ministry, it was a little bit of a rude awakening. Um, now, I will say, real-life Catholic, we've grown a lot. Um, and I think we've upped our professionalism a lot and I've also become a little less of a stickler. I am naturally like a rule follower. So at first I was uncomfortable with some of the, you know, rules that you break in ministry as far as kind of, I don't know, you know a lot about a person and their faith and um, it's really you just, personal. You just share more than you would in a right. secular environment. And that made me uncomfortable at first just because I wasn't used to it. I'm not like... Hey, yeah, yeah, like, like, did you go to confession on Saturday? No, we don't ask each other that, but, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, uh, you do sometimes. Right? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think we, um, we've grown a lot in that, but I was so used to, like, okay, we have a meeting, and it's from this time to this time, and before the meeting, we're going to have an agenda typed up, and we're going to go through all these bullet points, and the meeting is not, you know, is going to stick to the amount of time that we have dictated for it. Um, It's just, like, one small example, but timeliness, deadlines, um, kind of holding each other accountable in the workforce, even just the way you speak to one another, um, you know, we can joke a lot when we're friends with people. And, and that's, and, and I think just kind of finding the line there because it's just, it's a place of work. I think um, being vulnerable and being personal is good. But if it becomes, I don't know, I, I, I'm still growing and, and thinking and learning about what I feel about it. But, but being professional increases your quality of work. I, I, I can say that with like... Because you take it more seriously. I think sometimes we lack in our seriousness of what we're doing in, in church ministry. And it's so serious. We need to be serious about our work because it, it is, like we said, like the, it's the most important thing. I mean, I guess I don't know. Nick, maybe you can speak to this. I just haven't really heard it where church is talking about like, all right, we're going to do our parish picnic this summer, and it's this date, so therefore we need something done by this date. And here's our Gantt chart about our mm. deadlines, and here's our budget. And I just, I haven't seen that level of, like, project planning, for example. Yeah. I'm sure it happens, especially, like, I think VBS is a good example that's planned out really, really well. Yeah, um, Steubenville trips are planned out super Yeah, cool. like, experiential things. But what if we said, what if... The bulletin just had like annual goals as a parish. Yeah, annual goals. That that is a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Churches need to have annual goals, people. Annual goals, quarterly goals, budgetary goals. Why don't you know? I think that every member of your parish staff should have some um, some stake in the game when it comes to finances. Right. Yeah. Um, Another thing too, sorry, we're just kind of going back and forth and kind of riffing here right now. But one thing I think too is in terms of all this is like uh, professional development. Like, like that's something that can get people to have a stake in the game. And I, I find this so often um, that people in the church are, are, are falling into like the status quo of like, this is how we always done it. But also more than just, this is the way we've always done it. I could talk that to it. Like 
I could beat that down. Like I could crush that. But like, but like, this is how I've always done. This is how I am, and this is what I know. This oh, I don't know how I can do social media because I've never done that before. Or that's like you know that technology. I don't know if I'm going to learn that or whatever. But we need to professionally develop ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to grow in who we are as people. Like God wants us to grow as people. And I don't care if you're, you know, the the fresh off the the college or whatever, wherever you're coming from, and, and the, your first job ever as a youth minister or whatever, or if you're like ending out your career working at a church. I just find it so sad sometimes where people are just sitting in the job and they're just like, I'm just going to stay as this type of a person, and they're not going to develop themselves and grow in their knowledge and their understanding, not only of the church and and their faith and their formation, but but of their professional skills. I think you're seeing it right now. Everyone in the church need to learn real quick mm-hmm. how to do Zoom, how to do streaming and all these different things. Like pastors have grown so much in, in their ability to just kind of expand themselves and uh, and be okay with going online and, and streaming mass and doing all these things they're maybe never thought about and they're a little uncomfortable with. But I think it's so good because we're seeing these pastors thrive from actually allowing themselves to grow in this area and, and do these different things, these new things, and learning these new experiences. I think it's something that needs to happen more. I think it's a blessing we're seeing now with just a taste with some of the things that people are doing. But I think we need to apply this to everything. How can we be better at managing our budgets mm-hmm. in ministry? How can we be better at figuring out strategies for marketing and evangelization and those types of things? How can we better ourselves in the church? So important. I think a lot of, well, companies, secular companies, a lot of times you have a professional development budget. I think in the church, a lot of employees are given maybe a retreat budget or like a spiritual. Right, which is good. So do not get rid of that. I'm not saying get rid of that, but do that. Maybe once a year Eat do it. that and once a year do something totally professional. And And I guess I go back to the, you don't have to go on like, a church marketing workshop. Just go and do a marketing workshop, or, or yeah, conference or whatever or like conference. That. Yeah, or or maybe this is the time where you hire. You get to hire a freelancer to do a project for you, and you learn from them, or something, right. something like that. I don't know. Do something to to just grow yourself, even if it's just simple as putting a budget in in your in your I don't know in your parish budget to to pay for a book that the staff reads together and talks about it together and they're going to grow in something together. We're going to learn this together. We're going to learn how to be better, uh, how? Pro- more productive. The product productivity project is a great book. I read on productivity. It really helped me be a little bit more productive, still growing in that, but like doing that as a whole staff to learn how to be more productive. So that's just an example. What do you think is, um, so if you work for an apostolate, you, a lot of times you have a more specific role. So I could very clearly say, okay, I'm communications and development. So here are the things that I can be, you know, I can develop, develop it. But as on a church staff, yeah. many people are have ministry roles. What are the things, you know, because I think a DRE might be like, well, what do I, like, what can I learn that's professional development? Like, I'm not, you know, maybe, like, I don't need a social media class. Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think would be some of the top things you would recommend for ministers? Well, just in terms of what I've really learned from, I've really learned from uh, Life Teens conferences. They have a lot of various conferences that could apply to to whatever your area of ministry is. And this is not like a plug or I'm not sponsored by life or anything. It's just something that's helped me a lot. Um, the Catholic Youth Ministry Convention has been, it's such a good 
balance of not only a retreat, but also a training conference. And you get a lot of professional development there from some really great people in ministry. And they care about talking about these types of things, about growing yourself as a professional in ministry. And they talk about a lot of different things. Grown at that, and it's even good for people like a DRE or, or director of faith formation or whatever. Um, it, it, you could go to that conference and still learn, even if you're not in youth ministry. It could apply to a lot of different things. But they've also expanded beyond that conference. They've done things, um, I think it's called the Horizon Conference, and I think it's Prepare Staff. Um, but that conference is really good, too, um, for anyone on a parish staff. Um, they could look at things like the Amazing Parish Conference. Um, that's something that your pastor has to go to, and then you could bring some of your parish staff as well. But I've heard amazing things from that conference and seen really, really great transformations of parishes from that conference. But I think just in general, um, pick a thing, like pick a, a, a skill, and then just kind of do Google searches on, on how you could grow from various skills that you need, something that – that you might need. Maybe you're doing event planning a lot because you do VBS, you do this retreat, and you do that thing. Um, do an event planning workshop. I think it'd be cool. I think that'd be cool for me. I don't know. But, like, just think outside the box a little bit on uh, these things that could develop you professionally. That's something I think. I don't know. So. Those are good thoughts. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Christina. Um, this is fun. We've been talking for a long time, but I, I, I've really enjoyed it. I think... It's fun. It was great to hear a lot of your story, and I think it's just cool, like your background, and 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 it's just cool to see because you don't often see someone who um, has worked in the corporate world like having made the transition into um, professional ministry. So I I think it's cool to see that, and I just think that you have really helped me and blessed me in my life, obviously as my wife, but also just in general. I mean, I think just as a person, you've really helped me grow and i mean if you talk to any of my friends everybody knows nick pre-christina and nick post-christina is two different people um (laughs) you know like you really helped me grow in my life and especially as a professional ministry um i i I always knew that like i i was drawn into ministry i knew i knew i was drawn into to a different type of work and um i knew that when i uh, was discerning what I was going to do in my life, whether I was going to be a priest or if I was going to get married or whatever. I just knew whatever I was going to do, and especially if I was going to get married, I needed someone who was going to be able to walk alongside me in the chaos, the craziness. Um, and you've always been there for me. you always supported me. you always lifted me up especially um, and helped me grow uh, beyond who I was and who I am now. Even till this day, you're always lifting me up and kind of helping me go a little bit further than I thought I could go. And... Um, yeah, it's been cool, especially since you've come into ministry now with me. Uh, it's just super, it's super cool and super fun to do this whole, his whole life of, of just trying to evangelize the world and spread the gospel with you. It's been, it's been cool. I love you. And uh, yeah, you're Thanks. cool. Thanks for being love on the show. Too. But we, we have to close up with two fun questions. So, uh, Christina, some some books. What, what are some books you'd recommend <laughs> for, we talked a lot, professional development books mm-hmm. and stuff. What are some books you recommend for the listeners to take away with them and 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 just chew on? What are some books that have? Dang it, Nick! You? you know I'm not. She's not the reader in the family. I am, but but hey, you've you've read some. Oh, what are gosh. some books that have impacted you in your life? Harry Potter. <laughs> Read Harry um, Potter. There's a lot of good themes in Harry Potter. You know, I I learned. 
in the past couple of years, I, I much prefer fiction over nonfiction. I have a really hard time staying engaged in a nonfiction book. So I'm going to, as a communicator, as a storyteller, instead of reading a book about storytelling, read a good story. And observe. Mm. That's something actually, Nick, Ooh. you've kind of taught me That's about super watching. Right there. <laughs> Ooh, say it again for the people in the back. Uh, Read a good story and observe. Ob- observe the story rather than having someone tell you what makes a good story. That's not. Mm. You're, it's not going to click. Yeah. Uh, Nick actually he 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 messed me up for movies. I I'm not a huge movie person. I love movies. Nick loves movies. Wanted to go in the would, movie business when I grew up. And he always, you know, kind of says in the middle, there's the knife, which means, so, hey, so, we'll tell, yeah, tell that little so there, anecdote. So the anecdote is if you're going, if, if, if the knife, it, all right, metaphorical knife, if there's, if the hero of the movie is either going to be like taken out by a knife, like attacked with a knife, or he's going to use the knife to save himself in, the, in act three, that knife needs to be introduced into the story in act one. If you're going, if something's going to happen that's going to save a person or or do something catastrophic in the movie, it and it's going to happen at the climax of the movie towards the the start of Act Three, it needs to be introduced in Act One. It's just yeah, it's just a it's a story rule. So now whenever we watch a movie, well, Nick has always done this. Be like, oh, there's the knife. That's totally the knife. <laughs> yeah. Whenever we um, see something, we're like, oh, look, and look, now there it is. I can't watch a stinking movie without looking for that kind it's, of it's stuff. It's like a puzzle. So and I used to, to be the worst at like predicting the endings for a movie. I would be, I'd be the person in the theater like, oh, what? That happened? And yeah. now I'm like, oh, dang it. I see this coming from a mile away. Thanks to, you know. It's just basic story structure. It's, it's how it is. So I think with, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to be that person and not actually give a book because truth be told, I mean, hey, I'm a new mom. I have not read a dang book in a long time. <laughs> Who's um, got the time? <laughs> but instead, if, you know, if you're a communicator, a storyteller, I mean, this applies to so many people. Instead of reading about the story, find something you love and observe. Why is this story so good? Mm. Also, we have the story of Jesus. Like, what what makes that story so good? Mm. Besides uh, besides the, you know, the generic, yeah, he died, saved us from our sins, blah, blah, blah. No, just kidding. That's totally really kidding. I mean, praise God. Um, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, we know this. What are the... What are the other points of the what story? What draws you in? What What's the story of your church? Nick does this, he, he has this cool thing where it's like the, the parishes he's worked at, like most recently St. John the Evangelist. Okay, how are we going to evangelize? How are we going to the take name the, the name some, of the church yeah. and, and, and build the story around it? And how is that going to be the charism of what we bring to the yeah. world? So anyway... Totally didn't answer the question. I, I, I you sort of did. I no, did that was the politician. Cool. And I, you, you kind of dodged the question, but you made it better, I yeah, think. Okay. I voted for that answer. Anyways. And if I have to pick yeah. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yep, that's right. One of the reasons why we named our kid Phoenix, our first our first daughter. Um, so, uh, Christina, here's a story for you. You live your life. It's great. You've uh, been in corporate America. Maybe you go back one day. Who knows? Probably not. You'd love your life in ministry. You're going to crush it. Keep doing it. And then one day, I don't know. You crash or something and you die. Please, God, no. This is my wife. Don't. No, no, no. She. All right. I got to stop. 
That didn't happen. Okay, that's not the story. I'm rewriting the story. So the story is, you're not going to crash. That's terrible. Reroute your life. But we thought it, and then you didn't. And then now you're going to live a great long life. We're going to grow old together. It's going to be great. And um, have a bunch of kids. We have a fantastic family. And then you're dead because we're we're going to die one day. And that's going to be so sad. And, you know, I hope that that uh, you get to die first so you don't have to suffer from me dying. Um, I, I said it. It's on the record. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice because I can't. I, it's going to be so hard. And it's be terrible. But anyways, you die. And I'm going to be super sad. But then you get to come back because I was like, hey, Pope. Pope, she was a really great wife. We need to make her a saint. And he's like, okay, well, let's make Christina a saint. Of course, duh. Um, we need to call her down. And she needs to come down. And she needs to get to, she's going to pick. You know, Pope Francis or whoever it is wow. at the time. He's going to be like, weird world we're living Christina, in and come down i don't know how the pope talks but that's my sure. pope impression right come down and become Wait, a pope saint. francis i don't know if he maybe he's still that's pope. like you expect me to die soon then well i don't know soonish I, I hope he's well who knows maybe he's pope for a long time he could grow old modern medicine i don't know anyways you, you get to come back talk to whoever the pope is and you get to choose your patron saint of what who would you be the patron saint of you have to choose. The funny thing is, I've heard you ask this question. 30 I've, times. 30 times. And I have never once considered 30. my answer. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, what do you think? Uh, What's the first thing? Um, Once you to go. I'm, I'm on a photography kick right now. Ooh. So maybe photography. That's nice. I like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Page of Christina Longo, the aspiring patron saint of photography. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Christina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being on the show. It was a great time. It was a blast. We'll have you on more episodes of the show. We think we should talk about our, our love story and, and how we came to be. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode, episode two of season two of the Nick Longo Show, the series Managing a Ministry. I hope you learned a little bit from Christina and mine's discussion about her life in corporate America and then came around and got plugged into ministry. Hope you learned a lot from her. I've learned so much from you, Christina. You've been such a huge blessing in my life. Like I said, I mean, gosh, my ministries wouldn't work if it wasn't for the Christina. So if anyone, like Father Mano, you just hired me. Love you, brother. Super pumped to be a holy family. You hired two for the price of one. You got Christina too. I mean, she's really the backbone. Of everything. Gotta love, gotta love my wife. Anyways, all those married youth ministers out there, love your your spouses because, gosh, they they they're holding me together. You're holding me together, Christine. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. And if if you like this show, I would love it if you subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much if you already have subscribed and leave a review. Take like thirty seconds. It's gonna take you two seconds. Not really thirty seconds. Probably like thirteen seconds. Go click the five stars or one if you don't like it. I don't care. Five stars, people. Five stars, if you want? That'd be awesome. Really appreciate that. And leave a review. It's like 13 more seconds. Just even just like, I love this show. Or like write something that really impacted you in this episode and just share about it in the little review. It really, really helps other people learn about the show and find out about the show. And it's like got the whole al- algorithm and whatever podcast player you're. Your, Social media terms, yeah, cool things. It's cool things. But anyways, thank you so much for supporting the show and listening to me blab and talk to people. We'll see you on another episode of the Nick Longo Show. You guys are awesome. Keep real and goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. goodbye.